0: Things Musicians Don't Talk About is supported by the Royal Society of Musicians. Since 1738, they have been providing vital financial assistance, advice and guidance to music professionals unable to work due to accident, illness, stress or anxiety. Whether you're working as a performer, administrator, technician or teacher and everything in between, they're there to help. If you know of someone in need, you can contact them in confidence by visiting their website, which is www.rsmgb.org, or you can contact them by ringing 020 7629 6137. Support their work by becoming a member or donating today. Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts, Hattie Butterworth. And me, Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world, it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of the musicians is lost and restricted. Having both dealt in silence with mental, physical, and emotional issues, we're now looking for a way to voice musician stories, discuss them further, and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. The personal issues we may face with our mental health, performance injury, work pressure, and finances can be overlooked as the airbrush persona of musicians is sadly maintained so join me Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about Okay, so welcome to this episode. Today we have the fantastic Koshka Duff with us. Koshka, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm great, thank you very much.
0: That's great to hear. So I first came across you when I was browsing a bookshop in Bristol and i came across your collection of essays abolishing the police and then i was thrilled to read in the back or the front that you were also a pianist and then i was like oh yes we could get her on the podcast <laughs> um so people that might not know who you are could you give i mean this is always the most difficult question could you give kind of a a general summary a little strap line maybe of like who you are and what you currently do
1: sure um Thank you very much for having me on and I myself in a line I guess my (laughs) so my name is Kosh Gadaf my uh, kind of official position at the moment is that I'm a lecturer in philosophy particularly social and political philosophy at the University of Nottingham Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of my research at the moment focuses on policing, dissent and abolition. And one of the things that's come out of that is this, yeah, really wonderful, I think collaborative collection of essays by a whole bunch, a wonderful bunch of scholar activists, a very accessible collection, I would add, Abolishing the Police, which you just mentioned. And uh, yeah, my kind of academic interest in issues of policing developed in large part because of my uh direct personal experiences with police. And that was the case in fact for, for many of the people that I worked with on that on that collection. I think it's really important to be having discussions informed by uh, people's direct experiences of policing and not just kind of academics pontificating from on high about things that they that mm-hmm. They've not been on the sharp end of themselves. So um, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. And intertwined with that in uh, a whole lot of ways. I'm a, a musician, especially a pianist. Um, and uh, I play piano and write songs with my my band in Nottingham. Uh, we're called Stolen Goods. So, uh, And we just brought out an EP. So that's something else that I'm excited <laughs> about at the moment.
0: And yeah, I think we might talk more about that in the course of the podcast. So I will will leave it there for now. Yeah, that was what I was so impressed by when I kind of was reading about you a little bit was just like how you kind of have these two lives going alongside each other, but also seem to be quite intertwined uh, at the same time in terms of like creative output and stuff, which is really exciting. So I thought if you'd be happy to, would you be able to talk just a little bit about your own experience with the police but also you know we don't have to go into details because people can just google it if they want to read about it so anything that you want to kind of briefly mention and because I want us to talk about kind of your sustained injuries and how that impacted your life as a musician sure.
1: Um yeah so uh, I am these days quite googleable <laughs> Um, and uh, I guess the kind of headlines of what you'll find if you google me is about this particular experience I had in 2013 when at that time I was a postgrad music student at the Royal College of Music and I was just about to finish a a master's in piano performance and I, I lived in Hackney at that time. Essentially I was on one kind of sunny evening i was uh arrested um at a community garden next to my flat for offering know your rights legal advice card to a 15 year old who was being subjected to a racist stop and search and uh, yeah i i got involved in that situation because there was this kid who was clearly terrified surrounded by police calling for his mom asking asking for his mom to be there um and in that broader context, which I was already very aware of the kind of racism of stop and start and that I was kind of seeing seeing in action there. And so yeah, I I wanted to kind of help practically by making sure that this young person knew their rights, but also I felt like it was important for somebody to show that they cared about him and his welfare, that he wasn't alone. Uh, so that was that was kind of why why I got involved, I was kind of pretty quickly grabbed by the police, accused of uh, obstructing them, and subsequently accused, accused of assaulting them, although they were assaulting me. And uh, I was, after some palaver, taken to Stoke Newington Police Station, and there I was strip-searched. Um, and um, that was uh, quite a... Um, that was a... a distressing, and I guess, traumatic experience, it involved being kind of pinned down by, to the, on the floor of the cell by three police officers. They are, uh, they cuffed, they had my hands cuffed behind my back. They tied my legs together with leg restraints. Um, and they cut off my clothes, um, with scissors and kind of mock, mopping mocking me while they did this and um, it was it was uh ripped out my ear piercings and actually when i said at the start the headlines you'll see if you if you look at this i'm afraid the phrase grabbed breasts is actually quite prominent in some of the media coverage which wasn't my decision uh but that was something that you know when i would was completely naked when they'd cut my clothes off they they kind of grabbed at my breasts and stuck their hands between my legs um and yeah kind of overwhelmingly the memory is of the pain of the handcuffs um cutting into my wrists and arms because they kind of use and sort of like little torture implements like jerking them around behind my back twisting my arms in different directions and kneeling on me with their full weight and then yeah I guess the fear uh, of that Scenario where they were just on a kind of power trip where they literally felt that they mm. could get away with anything, and they uh, seemed determined to humiliate me um, and kind of break me. And that the kind of reason it gave various different kind of quote unquote reasons for the search over the, over the years, um, but essentially it was a means of intimidation and punishment because I didn't tell them my details when I arrived at the police station because I thought that what they'd done was completely unjust and I didn't want to go along with it didn't want to comply with mm. it because I thought it was wrong
0: yeah how are you doing first of all I, I'm okay thank you <laughs> uh, I <didn't> <laughs> okay don't hesitate just say okay I need a break now or anything because it's I mean it's hard to hear let alone
1: oh thank recount. you um, so, yeah I, I kind of I always feel torn on this because on the one hand it is quite challenging to talk about. On the other hand, I know that police are doing this, you know, day in, day out, and most of the people that they do it to are okay. not lucky enough to get a hearing. And so it feels really important for me. Um yeah, it feels important to kind of take every opportunity to describe what it's kind of like from the side of somebody who is being criminalized and targeted by the police uh, because that's the side of the story that so rarely gets heard and there's such a kind of gulf between the people who are and the communities that are experiencing that day in day out and then the people who kind of have no idea really what goes on behind the cell walls because what happened to me is actually really normalized in policing that is the kind of bread and butter of their work that I you know I do I do try to communicate that with a wider group of people as much as I can
0: yeah well thank you like it is clearly really essential to keep talking about it and to use whatever horrific experience you've had to just keep putting it out there which is yeah in total awe you were studying at yes the royal college So, what was your experience like in the days after? I mean, I think you were preparing for your final recital. Like, how on earth could you be in that mindset of having to just go back to music college?
1: Yeah, in the immediate aftermath of this um, incident, I was such a mess. I was kind of had been kept in the police station for twenty four hours, and uh, and then when I was when I was released, I was on bail, and and then subsequently charged with obstructing and assaulting police and that kind of criminal case um, against me went on for months. I was eventually acquitted of everything at the trial but that that was quite unexpected to be honest because there were a whole line of police officers ready to stand up and lie about me and that's usually what courts and judges believe and the process of being on trial is itself a form of punishment and the police kind of seen it in a lot of other cases as well. The police kind of can use it quite cynically as, as a way of inflicting punishment even when they know that they might not get or they won't get a conviction. And so they'll kind of string out the process of you facing these charges for months and months and then, um, and then drop drop the case on the day of the trial or something like that and i've seen that happen to quite a few friends who were like targeted for engaging in protests yeah the the kind of injuries from like the handcuff injuries in particular um just completely mashed up my wrists and my hands and um, and, and yeah, I, I wasn't able to play the piano. Um, and so I certainly wasn't going to be doing my mm-hmm. final recital then. And the psychological impact was quite intense as well. And actually, that kind of lasted for many years with like kind of flashbacks and panic yeah. attacks and that kind of thing. But in the immediate aftermath, um, it just sort of spiraled into every aspect of my life because. Um, I was working as a philosophy tutor um, like freelance tutoring and I found that I was in such a mess with my mental health but then I I couldn't carry on doing that job and so then I lost my income and so then I couldn't carry on renting a room and so then I was kind of moving around between friends sofas and things like that for quite a few months and didn't have access to a piano (laughs) during that time and Yeah. yeah so it took quite a long time to uh, get back on my feet after that and that was from the starting situation of being of having a lot more support and kind of background advantages to draw on than most of the people that the police are targeting who kind of are overwhelmingly kind of oppressed marginalized vulnerable people so a year later I was able to do the final recital and I I was really really happy about that Actually, I was there uh, because um, it had seemed so completely out of reach. But I suspended my studies and I went back and I just did the recital a year later. And I kind of incorporated my experience into the performance um, in that. So I had my, my program for the recital was that um, I played a late Schubert sonata and I played four dirges by Bartok. And um, I had been going to play some Bach, but instead of the Bach, a friend of mine who was a composer at the Royal Academy wrote me a piece of music for piano and electronics that I kind of interspersed wow. through the whole program. So a bit at the start, a bit in between the, the Schu- Schubert and the Bartok, and then a bit at the end. And the, the electronics component involved like this really incredible poem that a friend of mine had Had written that was Danny Hayward, an absolutely incredible poet. Like, look look up their stuff because it's so brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was this kind of uh, quite like out there anti-police poem. um, And it was um, another friend of mine recorded a reading of it, and then it was like incorporated into the music, which involved quite a lot of extended techniques and kind of messing around inside the piano and banging the lid and. Um, kind of getting, getting it out wow. there um, and I really I'm incredibly grateful to my piano teacher actually for being so I mean it was a wonderful teacher in general um, but also really gave me the space to do this thing which I think was quite outside of, of as I understand it his own experience but but supported me in doing the best I could with this with this music, which I think you found quite bizarre. But for me, I really loved the ways that it reflected on the other more kind of quote-unquote conventional aspects of the programme. And I say quote-unquote conventional because, uh, I mean, I, I imagine this will have come up in, in other discussions on this podcast, but there's so much like in the Western classical music tradition, there's so much rebellion and and like social complexity um and i find out through this process that schubert also was arrested um which was not not something i knew before and yeah i no find way. this i find out this story about how he was arrested in as part of the kind of crackdowns in the austro-hungarian empire um on kind of students and radicals and kind of um, these sorts of artistic gatherings and one of his friends, Johansen, was deported for these alleged political defen- um, offences and uh, Schubert and some other of his friends were arrested and the court, I find, was severely reprimanded for inveighing against officials with foul and opprobrious language, um, which...
0: <laughs> That's crazy! Like the similarities.
1: Um yeah, uh which I I thought was like the closest I could think of to that was section five of the Public Order Act, which is something that people are often arrested for, you know, mm-hmm. swearing at a police officer or something were um mm-hmm. doing. Actually another another musician, um, Awate, whom is really worth looking up or his amazing music and also mm-hmm. his case was recently successful in overturning the gangs matrix um, the police gangs matrix um, database uh, which is this kind of incredibly racist database that's um, been kind of recently through his case ruled to be unlawful uh, he was working with liberty and some others to to challenge that. I thought of Awate right now because he was uh, um, charged with Section 5 of the Public Order Act for um, his participation in a, uh, an anti-EDL protest, so against the kind of uh, far-right, racist and Islamophobic group, the English Defense League, and what added absurd insult to injury in that case was that he was charged with racially aggregated Section 5 as a black muslim guy confronting this extremely islamophobic far-right hate group he said something like fuck your flag fuck your queen and that was deemed to be grounds to to charge him with racially aggravated public border offense which i guess yeah shows that just... clearly the what the police are there to to protect and promote
0: and the, yeah, and that it's still happening from Schubert's time to literally yeah. right now. Um, okay, so in terms of, um, you know, the year that followed, then preparing for the final recital again, which, by the way, the programme just sounds like, just incredible. And like, I can't imagine the, the panel knew what had hit them after like a normal recital of just like loads of Bach and some, you know, some piano concertos and stuff, and then they're faced with this. <laughs> That's brilliant um but yeah like tell me about the the process of like getting back to the piano after like because I you know we've, we've spoken to a few people that have been injured you know just randomly without traumatic circumstances like how was it to get back into the piano with not only like a physical injury but like a psychological trauma as well
1: it's a bit of a complex story for me in that on the one hand playing music and as time has gone on also increasingly writing music and kind of improvising music and making up music, making and making up music um, has been just extraordinarily healing and important for me. So I have often felt like my kind of intensity of emotion around a lot of things would be just impossible to live with if I didn't make music <laughs> like it it can be a really great thing um it, it could also be like yeah something that like needs an outlet i like needs expression um and so I've felt just lucky beyond measure in having I mean, different people have like loads of different ways and for me music has been a way that I'm like I couldn't live without it at the same time the kind of physical consequences uh, of those injuries have been really long-lasting and complex in that I now have chronic pain that kind of first developed in my hands and wrists through that process of having the quite severe injuries and then because of all of the kind of chaos in my life as well as the injuries not playing the piano for a period of time during which I didn't realize I wasn't thinking of it then but the muscles deteriorate quite significantly because you're used to using them for a few hours every day and then you aren't doing that and and so then when I went back to it just and kind of prepared for that recital and it wasn't just one recital I also had a had a tumour music recital and I had a recital with a singer and oh I was like it was I was delighted to do those things but going back to those just going for it in the way that I had before actually inflicted further injury on my hands because um the the joint's were not supported by the muscles in the same way as they had been and and so then I developed this kind of initially twinging and then like burning and quite debilitating pain in my hands and then subsequently in my back and um and it was basically it transpired that I have a um, hypermobility condition which I'd always had because it's something that you always have but which I'd never had identified before and um, which certainly hadn't impacted me in anything like the way that it that it did after those experiences. But for a long time I kind of while I was, you know, waiting for referrals to come through and just kind of like, why am I why am I waking up every morning with my hands feeling like they're on fire? Why does it hurt if I touch the piano why why do I need to lie on the floor for hours every day because my back hurts so much um when I was in in that state I guess I was quite seriously confronting the possibility that I wouldn't be able to play the piano again and yeah when I thought that I might not be able to play the piano again that was that was devastating I also I guess I also felt through some ways in which um being a musician for me was um about more than just I guess kind of was was more of me than than just the physical production of the the sounds (laughs) and I, I spent a bit of time reflecting on how I experience listening to music in a way that that was still thanks to the time that i had spent playing it and Mm -hmm. that being something that was you know not not taken away by the kind of physical incapacity the like love and appreciation and Mm -hmm. the forms of listening that become possible through through the practice of making music but then very luckily for me um i did you know eventually get diagnosis to explain what was what was going on um I got a lot of physiotherapy and I got Mm. kind of most transformatively for me to take part in this NHS pain management course over uh, it was it took over a year to get onto it with the waiting list but it was yeah an extraordinary and transformative experience in Mm -hmm. that it was a full day um or sometimes two days a week over the course of a couple of months. Kind yeah. of one-on-one and root work that kind of combined the, the kind of physical with the psychological and more broadly kind of holistic mm-hmm. aspects of pain. Um and through that with, with other people who were experiencing somewhat similar hypermobility related paying to what i was and uh the group of us that this must have been 2017 or 2016 Mm -hmm. um at this stage the group of us that did that pain management course together are still in a whatsapp group
0: because it
1: was such an important experience i guess and it kind of helped me to learn (laughs) to work with my body and be i guess more accepting of doing things in the presence of pain, um, and also like taking care of kind of letting myself rest <laughs> and as well as kind of um yeah, so a lot a lot about pacing, a lot about kind of I guess reflecting on what's on what's really valuable to you and how to be able to do more of what you value sometimes in the presence of pain, like not being completely yes not being completely kind of dictated to. By the pain and it helped me to yeah I guess learn what a incredibly complex phenomenon pain is and to you know in some ways come to terms with that being part of my experience as a a companion rather than always an antagonist yeah that's a really good point there's a really wonderful performance piece of performance art by somebody who I knew way back many years ago the Sarah Hopfinger um at the what was then the RSAMD but now is the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland or something Mm -hmm. but they have a a performance kind of multimedia movement audio kind Mm -hmm. of incredible performance called Pain and I which I this is much more recently but I find it really Mm -hmm. really resonated for me about that kind of relationship with a pain that's a part of yourself
0: wow there's also a really good documentary like radio documentary by Hannah French um on oh what's it called the silence of my pain or something like that and it's as somebody who doesn't experience chronic pain it was just so amazing to hear somebody go into such like depth about something that I'd never heard discussed in relation to music oh thank you for that yeah, I, will, I
1: will. I would really like to to check that out through that pain management course, I built back up to playing the piano again through a process of you know starting off with five minutes every couple of days with lots of stretching and stuff before and after, and and like adding to that baseline just little bit week on week until I was able to play for longer. And so, yeah, I was a- I was able to kind of get back into playing the piano. And I think after that point, I had just a really different appreciation for being able to play than I had ever had before. Mm-hmm. I felt kind of... Yeah, no, exactly. ...liberated from a load of pressures and judgments that are really present in a lot of classical music education that like if it's not perfect Mm. it's worthless and you know it needs to be the big repertoire and that kind of thing and I was like I was just really freed from that because I was so delighted to be able to play a little piece (laughs) but I just loved Mm. it and I wanted to share it with people and that kind of like I was became so happy to Play to friends or mess around and make music with friends, where before I might have been held back by being like, oh, I haven't prepared anything to concert standard. Um, But just loving every minute of being able to play did transform my relation to music in a way that
0: I'm really grateful for. That's so special. Like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I was such a terrible thing. That is such a beautiful thing to come out of it, and so talking about your relationship with music now. So you said you're in a band that's just released an EP. Um, yep. Had you always been into kind of writing less, like being involved in kind of less classical music before, or was this something that started solely after the incident? This this band, all Goods, been a a wild ride
1: and wholly new experience, experiences for me. Um, in um, I had I had never written songs before and never written poetry before, which I also kind of got into. This what it kind of came out of was meeting this new friend Tom, who plays guitar and uh, is also one of the authors in the Abolishing the Police collection because they do really amazing work on resisting um, uh, detention centers and um, and deportations and, and kind of border violence. Mm-hmm. But we kind of were like started messing around and kind of jamming a bit together, just like to start off with In His Attic, with me playing like a MIDI keyboard, just absolutely <sighs> for fun. We were trying to reconstruct Daft Punk songs, I think was the... The, yes. where it began and then reading a lot of poetry together I think I mentioned before my friend Danny whose poem had been mm-hmm. part of that of that piece at my final recital um and yeah other other poets that I was really inspired by and I'd done a bit of translating of poetry this really incredible poet Francis crook who is a friend of mine and her collection of poems, called Pin which is like really quite weird gothic sort of stuff about like gendered and domestic labor and the history of factory girls struggles and uh, I just find it absolutely incredible and I translated that collection into German as initially just for fun but then I got so into it (laughs) it came out as like a little a little collection with a, a small press from by some some of these friends in Berlin, and I'd also spent some time in Berlin. I was I did a Erasmus semester while I was at the Royal College of Music at the Universität der Künste in <laughs> Berlin, so I was kind of there having piano lessons back in twenty um, twelve time. Anyway, yeah, long story short, I'd kind of got into got into some poetry, and I was reading a bunch of poetry with Pong and that's sort of where the song started Mm. to appear was just that we started making some songs out of poems and then it just escalated from there. I moved up the MIDI keyboard onto onto the piano and got myself an electric piano which I had previously been Mm. very opposed to but um, it turns out they can actually be great and (laughs) yeah it was that was part of the sort of genesis of the name stolen goods was because sometimes we would, <laughs> yeah, we would like take words from other people's poems um, <laughs> and uh, um, also take musical ideas. I mean, you know, like as happens with full stop, just not everyone talks about it, you know, uh, from became really obsessed with the runs kindred City and partly because I could only play little pieces. Um, and so those were little pieces that mm-hmm. I loved to play, and were very special to me in being able to. <laughs> they were some of the first things that I was able to play again after the, um, after the kind of pain hit. And actually, mm-hmm. the last the last song on the EP has uh, a little chord sequence yeah. that's from one of the scene and that's like buried in it. I don't know. I don't. I don't imagine it would be. Um, immediately apparent to people, but and um, um, and also the, the another song on on there we are, which kind of starts with all this noise that we recorded at a, a protest against. Oh wow! Against this immigration detention center, at Morton Hall in Lincolnshire, which has uh, since been turned into a prison. So that's not really progress, but that song is uh, also uses some chords from a. Uh, Chopin Prelude mm-hmm. that I again was yeah. one of those pieces that I was like I can play this little piece. <laughs> I
0: love, yeah, I love you little pieces. <laughs> you're saving me. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it feels like your voice as an artist in the band is like you're using your life experiences and things that you know philosophical ideas to kind of. Almost make political action through kind of art, which, like I guess, is kind of the basis of so much art. But is that intentional, or is that just a- that's just what's happened? Um,
1: I don't think much of the trajectory of of the band is is kind of intentional in the sense of being envisioned. It. Wow. Um, but I would say like the songwriting process is so intensely collaborative that it's mm. it's kind of it's like a protest in that it's the kind of thing that I couldn't do I couldn't create that by myself uh, but it's so very me yes that's that he's creating it <laughs> um that that kind of mm-hmm. you know enhanced agency through through a collective. Um, and I guess it being, uh, it de- like it definitely is political, it kind of couldn't not be that my experience of mm-hmm. life. And at the same time, I think it's way more weird than it is didactic. Like, <laughs> um, I think, uh, like, we run an open mic night at our local pub, which public that I really love because it's that kind of community building that Mm -hmm. sort of making like helping create kind of co-create a space in which people can share all kinds of creative endeavors in a hugely supportive environment and it creates yeah it creates kind of community and connections and you see people coming who've never performed before and then they have a really good experience, and they come back and they, and and they become a regular. And it's it feels really special to get to be, to get to be part of that. And like we play our songs there, and they do have a lot of, yeah, I guess a lot of intense experiences of policing of all kinds of resistance, like mm-hmm. embedded in them, and kind of you know mental health challenges and mm-hmm. the kind of wildness of uh emotions present there but i think people can connect with it without that being in the forefront of their mind if that makes sense or at least yeah that's yeah. the uh been really lovely experiences when it feels like people are connecting with it from all kinds of different places so it's not mm. it's like uh, this was something i got from that crew of poets is Sometimes mm. we don't have to know exactly what's going on and spell everything out really clearly. Um, so sometimes being kind of, I love that kind of confused, and there are these resonances going in all different directions, but it's really quite baffling and ambiguous. Is like a joy of art of many different kinds. So yeah, yeah, I I feel lucky to get to play around in that. <laughs> in that sort of way and I guess another big part of my experience my musical experience that I was drawing on in this is that I played in a Cayley band for many years so oh wow yeah because I I grew up in the northeast of Scotland um in Aberdeen um mm-hmm. uh, I went to this kind of state music school in Aberdeen and yeah, I, I I played in a Kaylee band, uh and so played a lot of folk music and and like still still really love love that music. And mm. the like that introduced me to a whole lot of skills around like improvising and sort of that I didn't get from my other training. And so and that was yeah. like a really crucial bit of the jigsaw for me in like enabling me to then kind of start getting like way more wacky and and doing my own thing is that I had that
0: like, <laughs> the kind of
1: the background in that thought tradition which also has I mean it's got so many different themes um around it I don't want to to homogenize but like the value mm. of just having a good time and not worrying about whether it's perfect is something that is that is, um, uh, like present in a lot of, you know, folk music making. And I think I've come to, I've come to embrace the, the tension, the kind of generative tension between the value of having a vision and trying to make things better and better and better and, and the value of loving it in here and now. I don't want to resolve it into one side or the other, like that kind of generative yeah. tension between
0: them that is such a beautiful beautiful thing <laughs> and the kind of the perfect way to kind of bring our conversation to an end it's just so beautiful to hear that you're about your relationship with music as it is now and yeah we talk a lot on the podcast about kind of perfectionism and and this idea that there is one right way to be a musician yeah it's just so refreshing to hear someone just so eloquently be like no it's not it's not about that so thank you that it's just honestly amazing to hear you talk yeah, so just to round off our episodes, we usually do a little win of the week. So just something because, you know, we talk about pretty heavy stuff on the podcast and it's nice to just like give something kind of light at the end to just make sure everybody's not all depressed. No, but it's it's been a very uplifting conversation, oh. to be fair, this one. Um, so my win of the week is that... I can't actually think of one right now. um Oh, yeah, to be fair, I like let some of the household chores like slide a little bit to like prioritize my rest oh, and well being this week. Yeah. Which sounds yes, so boring, yeah. but it's like so impressive for me. I'm like, I'm not going to Hoover. You will Hoover yeah. instead. And, and nobody has, but it wasn't me. But, 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 but. Uh, thank you thank you big bows everywhere Um, do you have anything your small win Um, of the week
1: um, well your win of the week has just reminded me of the last song on our EP which does have a significant chunk about how much I hate housework (laughs) I literally can't wait to listen to Um, this EP uh, but um okay win 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 um oh yeah a small, a small win. win um yeah i'll i'll put, I'll put uh, away we've my had some big wins.
0: wins i got over here i need to hear about it. Uh, honestly we've had so many people be like oh yeah like i you know i wrote a book or something and we're like okay but but okay now i feel bad about myself so you can have any size oh, when you want but you know um. Uh, I have
1: actually been—I uh, hate to say it—happy about um thing that I've been writing, <laughs> <laughs> which is an article that I've nearly finished. Um, which is a, a critical article about policing. But I I will not. What what? That's um, pretty good. I, I think just just uh, I experienced the love of a number of kitty cats this week. I've got two who live with me. like two little for me there's my tiny comrades Pickles McWickles, and, and her baby Croissant uh, and then one of McWickles's other, well she had two kittens and the other kitten Wicket has been uh, climbing over me in the course of this of this recording because Wicket lives with my partner uh, Chris um, in Bristol and then um, Chris's other little cat Anaras, um, is just popping her head around the door right now and so my win is standing time um, in the presence of those beloved,
0: I can't cope. <laughs> there's so such, many there's lovely such cats music in their
1: existence when they just don't give a shit and they like lick their butts and they're like,
0: yeah. <laughs> "I'm a yeah. cat. There's nothing you can do about it." And I'm gonna like enjoy being a cat and exactly. not feel bad. Yeah. Sometimes, it. like
1: music is playing, they like get up against a speaker and they're like. <laughs>
0: my little vibrating
1: <laughs> Although butt when when stolen goods starts playing <laughs> mcclickles is like this is too noisy and like it's
0: like, rrr, 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 rrr. i mean <laughs> i play the trumpet like none of my cats oh, the <laughs> <laughs> do they appreciate you in other ways um well no uh i think they appreciate that i buy them food i guess <laughs> yeah that's a big one i mean i don't know if they realize that but that's a basic big one. yeah i absolutely. do a lot like <laughs> basic <laughs> uh but no honestly koshka like thank you so so much for chatting with me like it's just been one of those interviews where you're like i can't wait for people to hear this and uh, i love you <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> delighted to have been on the show and yeah um thank you (laughs) thank you very much but yeah thank you so much for coming